Welcome to the Adoption Connection Podcast, where we share resources by and for adoptive and foster moms. I'm Lisa Qualls. And this is Melissa Corkum. Don't worry, we get it, and we're here for you. Today is a Mentor Moments episode where we answer a listener question. These episodes give you a chance to join the conversation and guarantee we're providing the most helpful tools and resources for exactly where you are. This week's question comes from a member of our Facebook group. She writes, I just re-listened to the podcast episode, Giving Voice to Siblings, and have a question. Our family is made up of five adopted children. The first four were well-settled and connected, not perfect, but functional. We added child number five about two and a half years ago, and oh, how things have changed. He is 12 and the youngest, and truly finds ways to avoid and sabotage connection with all of us. We're in therapy and making slow progress, but my question is actually about child number four, my adopted son who's 14. He's always been a really great kid, my easiest. We had a close and special relationship. Recently, he has had a dramatic change in behavior at home, but not in other places. A lot of his behavior is similar to the things that child number five does that make number four so angry. He's very angry at me and my husband and refuses to have reasonable conversations. We've met with a therapist with him, and he is very unhappy about being there. It's particularly sad for me to see him struggling, and honestly, the hurt I feel in being shut out by him is huge. Oh, my heart just breaks for this mom because there's nothing worse than having one of your kids who generally isn't the squeakiest wheel all of a sudden like go off the rails. It's like the most disheartening thing ever. (laughs) Well, and I think it's a little scary because we think, oh my goodness, I don't think I can handle one more struggling child. (laughs) So, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is a you know, is that her son is 14. And I think a lot of times we forget that from a brain science perspective, this is about the time when child's brain is literally unwiring, going under construction for a period of, you know, close to five years sometimes to rewire for adulthood. And Dan Siegel talks a lot about this in his book about teens called Brainstorm. I think this is comforting to me because I think if we can just hang on, it's going to get better. And, and literally the person who's acting out now or making crazy impulsive decisions is not who he will be forever. That's true. I have now raised a lot of teenagers and they really come out the other side as wonderful people. And even the kids who struggle the most, it's, it's pretty marvelous to see. I think the other thing that we always talk about, Melissa, is that our child's chronological age may not be the same as their developmental age. So he could be functioning actually as a younger child in a lot of ways. And the complexity of having this sibling acting out, he just may not have sort of the resources within himself to cope with that. What do you think, Melissa? Well, I think too, your body's chronologically 14 and unwiring like it's ready to, and you may already be functioning at what we call dismaturity, which is, you know, where chronological age and emotional age and academic age are all kind of different. And your emotional age is already younger. And so you're trying to use the emotional skills of a seven-year-old to handle the brain changes of a 14-year-old. And it just sounds like a 
terrible mismatch of craziness. <laughs> right. You can just imagine how challenging this is for this child. Now, coming back around to the mom's side of things, you know, there's a lot of grieving that happens in adoption and foster care for us as moms when life becomes so different from what we ever dreamed of and imagined and we have to grieve and let go of what we thought was going to be and accept what is. And I think with your son who is number four, like Melissa was talking about, his true self is still in there and his attachment to you is still there he just may be under pretty severe stress with the behavior of his younger sibling. And so I think it's important for us to do the work of, of grieving and also remaining hopeful at the same time because hope that the future will be better is really, there's a lot in favor of that coming true. You know, there's a lot to believe will be good with this son again The other thing I think a lot about in sibling situations is how to really give voice to the children who are being affected so um, strongly by their most challenging sibling. And, you know, I've written about this and talked about it a lot, that that was something that we really missed when we brought home children with a lot of needs. I think we just thought, oh, those other kids, they're going to be fine. They have each other. They've had us all these years. They're healthy, stable. And we really, um, we were so focused on the most challenging children that we neglected, actually really emotionally neglected our other kids that needed us so desperately. So if at all possible, I would make opportunities, like really planned opportunities to connect with child number four, you know, find ways to get time with him by himself. It could be that he's actually missing you a lot and his relationship with you while you're grappling with this sibling. I also have heard um, other kids say that they were actually afraid for their parents' safety and their parents' well-being. And I don't know if child number five is aggressive towards you, but it could be that he's actually dealing with a lot of fear about how you are being impacted and that makes him feel less secure and fearful himself. So um, I would try to make space to have some conversation with him that is just one-on-one with no interruptions from other kids, like get away from everybody else and try to have some conversation. Yeah. And even if he's not open to conversation, just getting, getting away space, some respite with you, with your husband, maybe with neither of you, like maybe with a friend, we, in the later years of our crisis did do that a lot with our kids, let them go to grandma or grandpa's house or a friend's house for almost a week at a time sometimes so they could just get some breathing room. And I would also say, you know, from a fear perspective, like whether he's processing like a new realization of, of fear or just having a new layer of processing for the impact that the last two and a half years have had, uh, narration is a really powerful way to process hard things and stress. And so finding ways or giving him ways to kind of process it in a narrative way that might be a little indirect. So maybe um, doing some creative storytelling about kids in similar situations or um, doing maybe some 
art therapy or some other ways to kind of talk about the experience in a more narrative way that maybe isn't directed exactly at him and doesn't feel so much like counseling uh, can be really helpful. One other thought that comes to mind is if your son is techie, if he has a smartphone, perhaps the two of you could start your own text thread or even voice texting each other. Or Melissa and I use something called Voxer. You could Voxer back and forth, which is just sending little messages to each other. And maybe that would give him a little bit more of a lifeline to you, that he would feel he could have access to you even when everything else is crazy at home with his sibling. I love that idea. So if you have a question you would like for us to address here on the show, you can do that in our Facebook group and just hashtag it mentor moments and you can join our Facebook community. It's free at the adoption connection.com slash Facebook. And we will also have links to some of the books we mentioned, um, the other episode on siblings at the show notes. And you can find those at the adoption connection com slash 72. Before you go, we'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram as The Adoption Connection. Thanks so much for listening. We love having you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a quick review over on iTunes. It will help us reach more moms who may be feeling alone. And remember, until next week, you're a good mom doing good work and we're here for you. The music for the podcast is called New Day and was created by Lee Rosevere.